Hello and welcome to Weather Snap. I'm Alex D. And I'm Alex B. Coming up on the show, any end in sight to this wet weather that we've been having recently? Hang fire for the latest trends. And will 2023 be the warmest year globally on record? We're going to be joined by Graham Madge to discuss this later on. We will also be seeing what happened when we, the Met Office, hooked up with Google. But first off, the latest weather story, all about another storm. Storm Elisa was named by the French uh, Met Service, Meteo France, on Thursday. Orange and red warnings across parts of northern France. Not as extensive as Storm Kiron, but uh, still a red warning in place for a while overnight. Heavy rain and strong winds combining to produce some large waves in that area. The storm also did bring some gusty conditions to southwest England through the night. So some very strong gusts for a time through the early hours and more wet weather across southwest England and south Wales early on on Friday. But it is clearing through here and actually conditions now starting to ease across France as well. But uh, quite concerning there with the gusty winds and further 70 millimetres of rain in places, so creating more flooding across northern France, which was, of course, particularly badly hit by Storm Kiron last week. Yeah, like you said, this coming so quickly to that pretty exceptional feature, it's not to the same scale, but further strong winds could lead to further damage. There'll be more flooding in places. It's, it's not good news for that area again. If we look, though, across the Atlantic now, and it's it's gone quite quiet from mm. a tropical storm front, the Atlantic hurricane season runs from the 1st of June through November, but most of the activity typically happens from mid-August through to mid-October. So it's not a huge surprise that we're seeing things quietening down. In fact, you have to go back to Tammy, which uh, was on the 29th of October for the last time that we had a post-tropical cyclone in the Atlantic. So a little while now. Yeah, it's quite unusual, I guess, for it to be such a busy season. You just kind of assume that it would continue, but there's there's no real reason for that to be the case. But we're already up to T, aren't we? We're already up to T. There's an expectation we might go into those extra letters again, but it has it has kind of dried up, so to speak. But it has been an interesting season, some notable moments. Um, in 39 hours, we talked about it on this podcast as well, I remember, within 39 hours... In August, four tropical storms were named, and that's not been done before. Emily, Franklin, Gert, and Harold uh, were all named within a 39-hour period, and that was the fastest uh, NOAA had named four storms in the Atlantic Basin, surpassing the previous mark of 48 hours set in 1893. Good stats there. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a quite an interesting season. Yeah, just after, I think it was less than a month after that happened, we then had Tropical Storm Lee, which initially formed on the 5th of September, but became such a huge storm, a hurricane just a day later and rapidly intensified into a category five with winds increasing by 85 miles per hour during the 24 hour period up to six o'clock on September the 8th. So this made Lee the third fastest intensifying Atlantic hurricane on record only behind Felix and Wilma. So it really was just a pretty intense storm, just how quickly it formed. And that's why it was so noteworthy. Uh, and it made landfalls, particularly around Atlantic parts of Canada, as an extra tropical cyclone as well. In quite a lot of research recently, isn't there, a bit about how 
hurricanes particularly are intensifying more rapidly and that could be linked to climate change. Um, the National Hurricane Centre has stated that no tropical disturbances are expected though in the forecast in the next uh, seven days across the Atlantic Basin. Uh, so what that covers the Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean Sea and the Gulf of Mexico. So we're not expecting any more in the near future. Does that mean the season's over? Well, not necessarily, probably too early to call that because interestingly, one third of hurricane seasons uh, since 1966. So in 19 years since then, or seasons, a storm has been named after November the 15th. And most recently that happened in 2019 and 2016 as well. So yeah, perhaps a little too early to declare the season fully over. But when it is, I'm sure we'll be doing a, a full roundup and probably get our, uh, our hurricane expert, Julian, on to discuss that as well. But right now we are joined by Graham Madge, climate spokesperson for the Met Office, regular contributor to the podcast. Uh, Graham, thanks for joining us. You're here to discuss a really big report that's out this week about global temperatures. Tell us what the report's all about. So what has been announced this week is that this year, 2023, is likely to be the warmest year on record, beating the previous warmest year, which was in 2016. So why are we saying this? Why are other organizations saying it? Well, for many of the months so far this year, they've been exceptionally warm and well above average. We've had a particularly warm September and October. And what climate scientists are coming to the realization is that we would need an incredibly cold November and December for global temperatures. Remember, these are global temperatures, but it would have to be incredibly cold relative to average for 2023 not to be the warmest year so this is a big story right this is pretty pretty big news that's out this week even even with a month and a half to go slightly more than that there's a reasonable confidence that this is going to be the warmest year on record so why do we think it has been so warm there are several reasons for this obviously since times of the industrial revolution We've had more and more greenhouse gas emissions, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere, which are warming the planet. So that is generally quite a steady progression. But also this year, as we had in 2016, we have an El Nino developing. And an El Nino is a cycle, part of a cycle of variation in the tropical Pacific. So the ocean has warmed and it's imparting that warmth to the atmosphere, which warms and raises global average temperature over the next few months. So we know that we're going into El Nino. It's been with us for some time. Best estimates suggest that it will continue till April. So we know that the beginning of next year as well is also going to be particularly warm. And all of that additional warmth on top of emissions that we've seen and the warming from human-induced climate change is actually pushing the global temperature up to possibly approaching that much-said figure of 1.5. Now, it might not get to 1.5. There are some centers that say it might. We're not so sure on that. We think it might be around 1.35, 1.4. But regardless, it's pushing us closer to that 1.5 figure, which is iconic because it's part of the Paris Agreement on climate change to try and curb global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. Now, 
if it does reach 1.5 this year or possibly even more likely next year doesn't mean that the paris agreement lies in tatters but if we get an exceedance of 1.5 on a single year what it does show is that the headroom that we have between global temperatures and hitting that threshold is becoming ever more wafer thin so that that's 1.5 above pre-industrial levels so when you, that's a global temperature that's risen by 1.5 compared to pre-industrial time so and and this year is particularly warm for that that double combination of of climate change human induced climate change that's been warming the planet for for decades uh, we've, we've seen that we've seen that and that's been very well documented but the added to that we're adding an el nino on that and that's what happened in 2016 as well and the last three years we've seen la nina the opposite of el nino which has helped to curb temperatures a little bit so you get the natural variation plus the human induced and they're this at this moment combining to provide the high temperatures that we're seeing this year one thing to say is that um this year whether it is the record year or not, will be joining that series of record years from 2015 that have been the warmest on record. And even those La Nina years, which you mentioned, Alex, which typically are cooler years, they are also included in that run of very warm years. So the La Nina years, which should be cooler, have actually been warmer than the significant El Nino year of 98. Um, it shouldn't be that way. The reason it is, is because since the late 90s to now, there have been more and more greenhouse gases emitted into the atmosphere, and that has caused further warming. So we've always had these planetary cycles of variation, some years slightly warmer, some years slightly cooler, but they're being masked largely by all of these emissions which are going into the atmosphere, but we are expecting record years to coincide with El Nino. It doesn't seem like this should be a huge surprise. It's concerning, for sure. But when you look at the huge impacts that we've had across the world, the severe flooding, the wildfires that we've seen in many places, we're seeing the impacts of climate change already. I can't imagine this is a huge surprise that it's come out as likely to be the warmest year I on record. I think that's absolutely right, Alex. I mean, we've always known that record years tend to coincide with El Nino years because of that additional warmth. But I think looking back when we get beyond 2023 and look back at it, yes, the El Nino will be a key factor. But this year, climatically, has been so interesting with so many records broken. I mean, one only has to look at the situation with Antarctic sea ice, for example, to see that, you know, yet another example of a record year. So it's not just in terms of temperature that this year may be measured in terms of records. There are other records too, sadly. And likely to continue into next year with El Nino forecast to continue into, into the spring at least. El Nino will span the year over New Year and into the early part of next year. And obviously that will give um, a huge boost to next year's temperatures. We'll have to see what happens this time next year with temperatures and what phase of La Nina, El Nino will be in. But the climate scientists here are expecting next year to be another warm year. And certainly, if it's not a record breaker, it will undoubtedly continue that run of very warm years that we've had since 2015. Graham Madge, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.
This week, the Met Office launched a partnership with Google Arts and Culture to showcase a new online hub exploring the history and role of meteorology and the Met Office. The hub is a collection of highlights from the Met Office and the National Meteorological Library and Archive. Senior archivist Dr. Catherine Ross explains. The Met Office National Library and Archive holds what we call the National Memory of the Weather. So that's everything that the Met Office has produced since it was founded in 1854 and it captures everything about different aspects of our weather in this country and in many other countries as well. Google were really excited about this partnership because they're working with a scientific organisation with a long history. So they're really excited by what we've all managed to produce working together. What makes this different from a Google search is that instead of a random selection of different things coming up, you'll see a curated page with lots of different stories that you can easily access. Within those stories, you'll find pictures, videos, things like um, the history of the Met Office, obviously. The role of the Met Office in the war was totally integrated, really, with the military regime. The D-Day decision was a very big decision taken by the highest commanders in the military at that stage. But the weather was the thing that could change everything. You can find out about what life was like recording observations on the top of Ben Nevis in the early 1900s. You can find out about more modern things like space weather. Solar flares, coronal mass ejections, or CMEs, and the solar wind affect our technology and systems such as satellites, GPS, power grids and radio communications. My favourite piece, there's a little story which is five unusual things you might not expect to find in our archive. So that one's really cool. So you've got things like a fluffy toy. I'll let you go online and find that for yourselves. Um, a report about the sinking of the Titanic. Um, you can go cloud spotting, you can, we teach you all about the different clouds and you can go out and try and spot them for yourselves. And all these stories will be there you know, in perpetuity, they're not going to disappear, so you can go and have a look at them anytime you like. So who can learn something from this? And the answer is absolutely everyone. There's a story there for all ages and they're all mixed up together so that you can look at historic items and current items and you can see threads running all the way through our history from where we first began right the way up to now and looking forward to our future as well. Dr Catherine Ross of the National Meteorological Library and Archive. If you'd like to learn more about the new Google collaboration, search online for Met Office Google Arts and Culture. Right, enough about our history. Let's get on to the forecast. That's what we're all about. How uh, How is it looking for the weekend, Alex? Well, we have had so much wet weather recently. I think it's fair to say most people are fairly fed up with how much rain we've seen. <laughs> we haven't had many dry days. Been trying to do some washing when I can, but it's it's been pretty difficult to get anything out on the line. However, there's actually some dry weather in the forecast. You'll probably be aware that Saturday even into Sunday, quite a good deal of dry weather for many parts of the UK. It's not totally dry. There'll be a few showers around on Saturday and things do start to turn a bit wetter and more unsettled through Sunday. But the other noteworthy thing, apart from the fact that there'll be some dry sunshine around, is the fact it's going to be quite chilly at times. I think many of us Saturday morning could wake up to uh, a bit of frost, probably the first real frost for some places this autumn. Mm. So it really is going to be a cold spell. If you're getting up early on Saturday morning, for whatever reason, you'll really notice it. And just generally, it is going to be a chilly feel to things. Though once the sunshine comes up and once the, you know, the weather turns pretty decent and it is going to be quite calm, quite still, 
it should feel relatively pleasant enough in the sunshine. So not not a bad weekend compared to especially what we've had recently. But I say it's been it's going to be quite still. Why is that, Alex? Well, it's because we're kind of between weather systems. We're kind of in a, a weather no man's land. Talked about this a little bit in the 10 day trend. You can catch that on our YouTube channel, of course. We're we're not in high pressure. We're not in low pressure. In fact, on Saturday, there's there's a low to the east of us, a low to the west of us, high pressure to the north and a little ridge of high pressure to the south. And we're right in the middle. And this has a name, a meteorological name. It's called a coal. Uh, C-O-L. And it just means a kind of weather no man's land. You're not in high pressure, not in low pressure. Uh, it happens reasonably frequently, but it's, it's quite rare for us to be sitting kind of in one for a whole day. And it does generally bring uh, dry weather. They can be quite cloudy, but this one looks as if it, it sh there should be some breaks in the cloud and we should all see some sunshine, as you suggested. It also means light winds, which, as you've also told us, means there'll be frost and also some fog around as well. And many of us haven't seen much fog so far this autumn. Of course, autumn's often associated with it, but we haven't, we haven't seen much of that around. But that could be a feature of the weather in the mornings through the weekend. So, yeah, we're sitting in a coal. It doesn't last, though, because low pressure out in the Atlantic will get pushed in again. Pretty active jet stream at the moment. And that's going to bring a spell of wet weather into the west on Sunday. Some eastern areas won't see it until probably till after dark, actually. But then it moves through. And then certainly the first part of next week looks fairly wet and windy again, as I talked about in our 10 day trend video, which you can see. So, yeah, interesting weather for the weekend. If you're after some fine conditions, then Saturday is your best bet. And uh, yeah, for, for many, as you suggested, the, the finest day for quite some time. It's also uh, worth noting that temperatures are probably going to pick up a little bit next week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to be a bit chilly, may not necessarily feel too bad in the sunshine this weekend, but temperatures will be a little bit on the low side, especially at night. But with the more unsettled weather coming back as we go through yeah, later Sunday into Monday, we'll probably see a rise of temperatures someplace four or five degrees warmer or higher on uh, Monday, Tuesday than they will be over the weekend. But that's no major surprise. We often see that when you get a spell of slightly more changeable, unsettled weather coming through. Just before we go, um, just want to point out our climate podcast on food security with Dr. Doug McNeil and Dr. Pete Falloon. And that's you can get wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, that's quite an interesting one. We're doing we'll be doing more on food security in the outlook as well. Um, what are your plans for the weekend, Alex? Well, they're pretty loose at the moment. We're going to try and go for a long walk because, as you may know, my wife's well, you definitely know, but some people may know my wife is heavily, pre heavily pregnant. Uh, and so heavenly pregnant I thought that, that's a nice way of saying it she's yeah, heavenly she nice... may not see it that way but she's heavenly pregnant I'll tell her that later I'll be like oh you, <laughs> you look heavenly and she'll she'll still give me that same look of I would like the baby to come sooner rather than later please um so yeah so we're just waiting for baby two to arrive hopefully she arrives sooner rather than later who knows I may be back next week may not um but she'll come when she's ready Exactly, exactly. Well, good luck with that if it does happen. Uh, and uh, yes, have a good weekend, everyone. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.